everybody. I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we are Will This Be On The Test? A podcast about the things you should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. Whether it's ancient eccentrics, forgotten heroes, psychology, the line between science and magic. Will This Be On The Test has you covered. Class Class dismissed. dismissed. Welcome everyone to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am one of your hosts, Bryant, with my permanent guest, Cammie. What's up, Cammy? Not much. What's up with you, Bryant? <laughs> Not too much. All I know is that at least when this episode comes up, it's going to be Friday, and that's why Peter's here because it's the it's the every other Friday. This is the other Friday, so Peter, our other guest, is here. Hey, Peter, what's up? Hey, how are you? I'm fantastic. So we have a cool follow up episode. We we've timed some of the podcast magnuses. We don't typically try to do that. But we timed it really well this this time. So Cammy and I had our normal show on Wednesday where we talked about uh, New Orleans voodoo specifically. That's That was the topic. And there was some cool stuff there. We scratched the surface, barely, but it was fun. And now we're going to go a little further into uh, some things that are tied to that. And we're going to talk about the big Z word, zombies, zombies, zeds, undead, ghouls. We'll talk about all that soon. But if you're just joining us, Mystery is a podcast where each week, a couple of friends, sometimes three, maybe two, like to talk about a special legend or a myth or historical thing, give you the story behind it, and then go into some of the, I like to say facts, but that's never really accurate. Uh, They're not always accurate. I'm not always accurate. But we give you some of the info behind it in the background. And I think this episode is going to be a really cool idea because we're talking about zombies and spoilers. Zombies are not real, I think. Or so are that's they? The end of the sh- oh, are they? That's the end of the show, I guess, if that's where you want, <laughs> if you wanted. But uh, we're going to talk about the evolution of the zombie, I think, is what we're really going to be hitting on to. And there's a lot here. There, there's tons of undead creatures that we could do like solo shows on and stuff so this is going to be an all-encompassing one kind of as we do it on the podicus magnus but cammy and peter have uh, some fun little stories that they're going to hit up hit us up with so cammy please regale us okay so my sources are the ever accurate daily mail and wikipedia it was may of 1962 when Clervius Narcisse's soul departed from his body. But his story would not end there. In 1980, 18 years after his burial, he would find his sister, Angelina, at the local market and relay a tale so strange and inherently sinister it is almost impossible to believe. You see, Narcissi was brought back to life the day after his death. A voodoo practitioner had gone to the cemetery and dug up his fresh corpse. The man performed a ritual which restored his life, but not his soul, to his body. The practitioner would keep that in a bottle and use it to control his victim. After his body was mobile, the man who was still dirty from digging Narcissi up pronounced that he was now his slave and forced him to harvest sugar on a nearby plantation. He was enslaved there for years until the plantation owner died. Narcissi claimed that he was given a potion every day until that moment. The potion made him hallucinate and caused him to be easily controlled. He was able to regain his senses and rejoin his family once he was no longer under the influence of this potent drug. 
His family was extremely grateful for his return, but news spread quickly beyond Haiti of this man's miraculous recovery from death. Scientists were on the case. Looking into the original autopsy reports, they found that two American medical practitioners had pronounced him dead back in 1962. While the people of Haiti knew this was voodoo at work, outsiders were skeptical. His village was aware of Narcissus abandoning his children and the land dispute between him and his brother. Either of these factors could have explained why he was zombified. The practice involves feeding a live person a powdered substance containing pufferfish toxin and other mysterious ingredients. As legend had it, the man then will succumb to death and have his soul extracted by a voodoo priest. The priest will keep it in a jar and then sell the man to work in, in the grueling hot days on a plantation. A Haitian psychiatrist, Lamarck Duyon, believed that the powder didn't actually kill the victim, but that per put that person into a very deep sleep that barely registered a pulse of breathing. They would then revive the person after burial. He sent a sample of the powder to America where they ran tests on rats. The rats were administered the powder and then monitored. Their heart rates were decreased to the point where they barely registered and they appeared not to breathe. After a few hours, the rats appeared to be dead completely. Later, they came back to life. While the science suggests the practice is based in reality, it makes it no less frightening for the people who are buried alive. And what you don't know is when the rats came to life, they all had Romanian accents and went, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. A taste yeah. for brains. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, very nice. That's, that is, yeah, that is the, the, that's a lot of what I'm going to be talking about when I kind of talk about the, the evolution of the modern zombie. But it's, it's yeah, the Haiti is the, an important focal point, a very, very important focal point as to, how we the modern zombie today wouldn't be the same without the influence of of slavery of Haiti and their interaction with it in that culture. So that's really really cool. Um, all right, that's story one. Peter, what you got for us? <laughs> so as you said, we're kind of looking at the origins of kind of the modern depiction of zombies. I don't know if you're going to touch on this or not, uh, but Cami's story uh, was the basis for the book and movie Serpent in the Rainbow, uh, which is a fun a fun Wes Craven movie. So if you want to dig a little deeper, it's super creepy. It's got Bill Pullman in it. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm looking at another sort of undead creature that may have influenced certainly the the White Walkers in uh, Game of Thrones and and most likely some of the some of the creatures of Lord of the Rings like uh, the Nazgul and the uh, Barrow Whites. So I'm going to be nice. talking about the Draugr. Awesome. Am I saying that right? I sure hope so. Uh, Draugr. I think Draugr. Draugr. That's what Skyrim people called them. The NPCs in Skyrim. I'm pretty sure they're like, oh, the Draugrs. Kill them. Draugr. And they're like, I'll kill cool. the Draugrs. Yeah. yeah, with an American <laughs> accent. Just make sure you get that yeah. down. Draugr. Yeah. If, if it's right. it's like a Norse word, so you just be rolling a bunch of R's. That's really it. Just sure. Oh. Well, there's a bunch of them in there. So <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. Right. All right. Here we go. Uh, this tale was adapted from the Erbigajar saga, which was written by an unknown author and originally published in the 13th century. I'm also kind of taking some general uh, Draugr facts from Wikipedia and adding it to this to this tale. It, the uh, Erbigajar saga describes the lives of several great families living on the Snifelsness Peninsula of Iceland. It tells how they lived 
and worked and loved and fought and died, and how they did not always rest peacefully in their graves. Thorolf Haltfoot was the wealthiest man in Thor's Riverdale, and he had secured his wealth by usurping his rivals, cheating his neighbors, and exploiting his thralls. Thorolf waged a bitter feud with Olaf the Bonder. Their clashings had left Thorolf with a distinctive limp. Thorolf repaid Olaf for his halting foot by burning down the Bonder's house while his enemy slept inside. All the townspeople of Thor's Riverdale agreed Thorolf Haltfoot was the most wrongful of men. Years passed and Thorolf became more embittered with every winter. As an ale that sours after too long in the barrel, Thorolf sat in his hall and curled his fingers over the arms of his high seat. One day, Thorolf did not stir from his chair for an entire day and an entire night. He ate and drank nothing. Stout men tried to lift their chieftain from his chair, but could not. The old man had grown unnaturally heavy. Messengers were sent to fetch Thorolf's son, Arnkel, the strongest man in the village. Arnkel arrived to discover that his father had died. Rumors swirled around Thor's Riverdale that Thorolf Haltfoot would become a draugr and a genwalker. Such a greedy and troubled man would grow restless in the grave despite the gleaming treasures that surrounded him in his burial mound. A fierce hugger burned in Thorolf's cold heart, a fitful will that could animate his dead limbs. Preparations would have to be made. Arnkel began by cutting a hole in the wall of Thorolf's hall to remove his father's corpse. If the body had been carried out through the front door, the draugr would remember how to enter the great hall. Thorolf was laid in how, surrounded by his favorite weapons and finest treasures. Iron was said to bind a draugr, so a pair of iron scissors were placed on his chest. His toes were tied together and needles were driven into his feet to prevent him from walking beyond the grave. Soon after the burial, ill omens began to appear. Even during the darkest of nights, Thorolf's grave glowed with a strange foxfire. Birds that flew over the mound dropped from the sky, dead. A shepherd claimed that any animal that grazed near Thorolf's grave would go mad. A few days later, the shepherd himself disappeared. He was soon seen staggering through town, his bones shattered, his skin coal blue. He had been murdered and turned into a draugr. Thorolf's wife awoke one day to find her husband in the bed next to her. His skin was blackened, his body bloated, the air around him reeking of death and decay. He tormented his wife for many days until the poor woman finally went mad and died. (laughs) (laughs) It just keeps keeps getting better. Afterwards, Thorolf could be seen roving out into the surrounding lands, destroying homesteads and killing many men. The men he murdered became Draugr themselves and followed Thorolf in a dread company. Thorolf had to return to his burial mound to rest between rampages, and Arnkel 
hatched a plan to capture the Draugr as it slept. As Arnkel crept up to his father's grave, a storm appeared out of a clear sky. The bright midday sun turned as black as coal. At the entrance to the barrow stood a great stone. As Arnkel approached the death door, Thorolf passed through the stone like a wisp of smoke. As his body became solid once more, Arnkel tried to wrap his mighty arms around his father's shoulders, but the Draugr escaped his grasp by sinking down into the earth. Back in town, an old woman taught Ankrel about Trollscap, the magical abilities that the Draugr had used to thwart Ankrel's attacks. Ankrel would have to rely on more than just his strength if he had hoped to seal his father in his tomb once again. Finally, Ankrel was able to ensnare the Draugr by binding its limbs with bands of iron. It took four oxen to haul Thorolf's heavy body far from Thor's Riverdale. Arnkel planned to burn the Draugr and cast its ashes into the sea, but just as the shoreline came into sight, the oxen went mad and overturned the wagon. Bang and clashing, the oxen drove themselves over a cliffside and died on the volcanic rocks below. Arnkel resolved to bury the Draugr where it lay. He built a great wall of stone around the mound, so if Thorolf ever walked again, he would be imprisoned by stout thick walls and far from the lands that he knew so well. If you visit Iceland today, you can follow a trail that traces the events of the old Norse sagas. You can wa walk across Snifelsness and marvel at its glaciers and geysers and brilliant northern lights. You can see the lands that Thorolf lusted for from beyond the grave, and who knows, you might meet the Draugr himself. Ooh, you just can't get rid of that guy. No, he's very persistent. <laughs> yeah, I think we've talked about the humorism and how it's like the idea that real events happen and they become myth. I think this guy was just a terrible husband and his wife <laughs> like nicked him, you know, in the 12th oh, century. He's, and, he's a huge a-hole. Right, and she was like, no, <laughs> he turned into a drogger. What are you going to do? <laughs> she just like murdered him. Uh, that's really cool. That is a really cool story. I, Yeah, so there's a lot here. I've got some cool places to get started. Um, the one thing I thought about that I, I hadn't really, because I, I didn't jump too much into the Draugr, um, but I, I know a, a chunk about Norse mythology and stuff, and I played like God of War, and I read Neil Gaiman, or listened to the audiobook of Neil Gaiman's North Mythology, and they talk mm -hmm. about um, uh, Niflheim, which is the world of fog, and it's it's a it's depicted as being a cold and misty place, and it's it's where you go if you like don't go to Valhalla, but also if you don't go to like hell, and hell is a different word. It's H E L. It's it's a different place and concept mm -hmm. in Norse but Niflheim is basically like if you die of old age if you died you tripped and you fell and you and stuff it's just like boring deaths and it's it's not like a place of punishment but it's it's very much like a limbo you're just kind of existing and it's very cold and you just you're just there and I feel like you know with especially like with Draugr with turning into a Draugr the explanation and the coldness of it I mean of course if you're in Iceland and you die you're gonna turn you're going to look like that, what you described. So mm. I just think there's some really interesting stuff there. Um, but yeah, so we have some cool stuff to kind of go off of. Cammy gave us the, the intro, and in short, the, the, and the word zombie and sort of the idea of zombie sort of began with this, this voodoo Haitian thing. And, you know, listen to our episode on voodoo. We kind of go into it a little bit. But you're pretty probably pretty, pretty familiar with 
with voodoo and how voodoo likes to really um, interject itself in all facets of human life and controlling it through through you know toxins and potions and ingredients and stuff like that. So it would make sense that you could mess with the dead and things like that. But voodoo, you know, and, and I, I don't think we really said this in the last episode, Cammy, but voodoo really is a religion. Uh, it well, takes yeah. on so yeah. many, yeah, it takes on so many different facets. And so think about how religions think of the dead. Actually, and whether... it is the number one religion in Haiti. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I could totally see that. And, and it's just cool, too, because just like I said, how how it's changed and due to the, the diasporas that formed everywhere that still that started with voodoo anyway. But that's that's really kind of where it be, it began in a lot of ways. And there's some really cool. So I'll kind of start. Um, I read this great little piece from anthropology.msu, the history of the zombies. Um, it gave me a lot of what I, I, I read. I all the pieces that I found really kind of followed the same format. It starts with George Romero, and then it kind of goes into some other little things. And th- so it was kind of funny. I, I read through them a lot, so I'm very familiar with the, the base of it. But some added some cool things. And this one specifically talked about other civilizations. They didn't give a lot of information, but there's there's apparently an idea that the Mayans were actually destroyed by uh, zombies. Like, that's kind of what ended the Mayans. And the people tie that the cannibalistic nature of, you know, we, we kind of stereotype it. They did practice certain cannibalism. I don't remember. I, I If I remember correctly, it wasn't practiced, like, all the time. It wasn't, like, always ingrained in the study. But it was practiced. There were murals and there was art that depicted it and things like that. And other hmm. um, indigenous Americans, you know, practiced it and stuff like that. Um, there was also... Uh, a, a cool thing, and, and this ties into what Peter talked about. There's examples of burials in uh, ancient burials in Syria. I don't have it. It didn't give me a, how ancient it was. Just old. Um, but where where graves? It was there was evidence of a grave being exhumed. So I'm dead. I'm buried. I'm good. Somebody opened me up and crushed my skull and then put it back together again. Hmm. Wow. And and so we. Th- they think that this kind of gives evidence of fearing the dead and specifically like destroying the brain to kind of make sure the the head to make sure no brain, nothing can come of that. You know, uh, there's also um, it was really funny. We were uh, my family was playing the fun game Fibbage, the like TV game show game yeah. that you play. And there, one of the questions was, um, what do the ancient uh, this this study at this university found that the ancient Greeks feared blank, and we all put our guesses and stuff. And the answer was zombies, and I thought that was kind of dumb because the word zombie, you know, it's it's tied to either like uh, a, a specific word in in West African languages, or like mm-hmm. there, it's also in zombie is like a god and stuff like that. So there's there's several different ways it can come, but it's clearly African in origin. So they, and again, there's particularities between. The undead, zombies, ghouls, like there's a Draugr. Is a Draugr a zombie? I guess so, but anyway. So the when I looked into it, the Greek-fearing zombies, the idea of where this came from is there was an excavation and they found um, uh, tombs and burials where people had were, were nailed to the ground or nailed into their coffins or, or weights were put on them, like Peter was saying. So it was a way to basically, if you reanimate, it's, you're going to have a hell of a time trying to actually get out of mm-hmm. your, your animation and stuff like that. So that was my, my stuff from uh, anthropology. Um, that and then a, a BBC documentary that I watched a little bit of, it was kind of boring. But um, <laughs> it's called 2015. It's from 2015. It's called Zombies, a Living Walking Dead. Everything's Walking Dead based from like five years ago. It's so annoying. I don't like The Walking Dead. I wanted to make it clear in this episode. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But um, 
they also talk about, I mean, there's tons of diseases that are, are quite real that kind of give off the, if you think of a stereotypical zombie, you know, that give off those impressions. And cannibalism is a thing, too. I mean, it, it, I, I, I've talked about it several times. The, the, the book on Mongolians, Genghis Khan that I talked about, they would, it would mention how when Mongolians would siege a city, some of the cities that did or didn't make it, they usually have to resort to cannibalism at some point. You know, when it's been like three months, you're out of food, you start looking at Tony. He's got a little bit too much on him, so you take him <laughs> out. And it makes you crazy, too. You, when you're driven, when you're in a point where you're driven to cannibalism, we've seen stories and heard stories of it in books. It, you know, you, you're not, you're not like, excited about it. You know, it usually is, mm-hmm. like, a tense point, so you're acting manic. And so when you, when you do start eating people, you're, you're in a crazy state. And if some Joe Blow walks up and is able to, like, talk to about this or see this or someone's able to retell the story, they're going to talk about, I went crazy and ate my friend, you know. Um, they're not going to come also, back and say that. There's also, speaking of, like, mental illness and this, there's also a disease, uh, Cruxfield-Jacobs disease, I think is what it's called. Okay. Where I didn't look it up before this. Um, but yeah. people that eat people uh, are more likely to get this disease because it can be transferred in brain tissue. I think I've oh. heard of this, yeah. That sounds kind of familiar. Um so yeah, that's that's some. It's mad cow, but it's for people. For for yeah, yeah mad human, yeah, mad dude. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll I'll kind of back it up to 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 Haiti again and zombie. Um, so this is this is I'm going to the Wikipedia here. They have an excellent section, but I'm gonna. This is from Wikipedia. So the the word zombie first was was recorded in 1819 in an English uh, account um, by Robert uh, Southey of a history of Brazil, and it was in the form of the word zombie without the E, so just Z-O-M-B-I. And the Oxford English Dictionary gives the definition, uh, or uh, the origin as West African, and compares it to the Congo word nzambi, which means God, and zumbi, which means fetish. Uh, and again, fetish doesn't always have to be sexual. Like, I, I right. learned this in anthropology. Like, it, it's, it means, the way I describe it is it means something has, like, a, an, a, an object has a charge that gives it value. That's my personal mm-hmm. definition. It just gives you more value than is innately there. You can't just come upon it and get that value. Um, but then... And in some cases, like, fetishes can be animated. You know, yeah. can be brought to life. Right. Oh, like yeah. voodoo dolls. Sort of. Sure. Yeah, having this this <laughs> charge in it, yeah. Uh, and there's even a, a Kumbundo Portuguese dictionary, which defines um, the word nzumbi as a spirit or a soul um, or, or a spirit that is supposed to wander the earth specifically to torment the living. So there's some cool things there. But it really does tie in to the, the zombie as we know. It ties into Haitian um, folklore. And uh, so let me see. <clears throat> I don't know if I wrote it down. Oh, here we go. So how the how we think the word kind of got to america was during the united states occupation of haiti in 1915 to 1934 so um i don't i don't really know the specifics behind it i'm not going to get too into it i'm sure it wasn't a, a fabulous time but the united states did occupy and basically it was like a kind of like a military junta but it was the u.s controlling haiti but then eventually backed off but a lot of uh a lot of information and culture was exported from the country then and um soon after that um a movie would come out uh white um zombie oh where do i have it i'm not sure my notes are all over the place but white zombie i think it's 1932 is basically the first film as we know it um like as we know the kind of the zombie sensationalism and yeah here we go white zombie 1932 uh, and it, it it's really cool because it it's like I think it's set in Haiti, but it uses Haitian voodoo. It's the cause, and mm-hmm. 
that's that's really kind of where um, it kind of begins, at least in in, in film specifically, and it and it really like is it's it's saying zombie, it's using Haiti and, and things like that. Um, because so <clears throat> there's before I go further because I'm basically going to jump to Romero. There's a, a, a discussion in uh, be, from from BBC that I got um, called "Where Do Zombies Come From?" that talks about the connection between Haiti slavery and voodoo, and how uh, it, it's there's evidence that slaveholders and even like appointed slaveholders. So sometimes the plantation would be big. The, the, the owner, the, the white dude who owned it would appoint a black slave who he kind of I trusted or whatever to sort of hold it over. He'd be like, it's too hot. I'm going to go chill mm. on the States or whatever. You hold it down. There's not really much. They couldn't really do too much. And then when he comes back, if they didn't, you know, have the product, you know, you know what would happen anyway. You know, hor- conditions were horrible, like absolutely horrible. Mm. The, um, it, it's hot in South Carolina. It's it's worse in the Caribbean and Haiti, uh, the little islands away from South Carolina. Um, think like Cuba and stuff like that if you're not too familiar. But uh, slaves died by the thousands. They were imported. It was it was cheaper just to be like import more, just give me more rather than to to upkeep a human life. So it's it's absolutely horrible. And but so many slaves would resort to suicide. They would just be like no. So to to help stop this, to keep their labor their their free cheap labor source to, to for the arduous sugar plantations, uh, one thing that was used was the threat of zombification. So hmm. if you don't do this terrible work that's uh, mind numbing and day and night, and you're a, you're basically a, a a zombie, I'm going to turn you into a zombie. I and or someone will turn you into a zombie, and you will be basically you won't be able to to, to die. You won't be able to peacefully pass on. And mm-hmm. I found this really ironic because it's almost like submitting to slavery and, and submitting to that lifestyle. It's it's basically like you are a zombie. You're you're a, a sugar making zombie. And so, but that that was what was used, and and it was very uh, it was very effective uh, in in a lot of cases. Um, you know, threatening to not have a peaceful afterlife is incredibly upsetting, and so. That I think I, I don't have it specifically kind of here, but I'm kind of gathering that is sort of where a lot of it comes from, and and the process of zombification is very voodoo. It's it, there's there's the powder, uh, coup padre, I think is what it's called, um, the powder with the the puffer toxin, the puffer fish toxin. I didn't um, I didn't see the what it was I actually think, called? I think it can be called that. It's a, a French word is used, but I'm sure it had many different names. But yes, yeah, it was this idea of you you. Basically, you kill someone and bring them back, and and specifically, so a voodoo priest would kill someone, bring them back, and then the, you would be their thrall. And the the idea of a thrall or a familiar that's very ingrained in all cultures across the world. You know, um, like ha, ha, uh, like necromancy, you know, that kind of thing. It's it sound mm-hmm. that's a very familiar concept, I think, and it, and it can be seen in, in several different cultures. And so, so we have that. We we've I have a st- like we're in the thirties. Haiti, the U.S. is out, but again, they've exported a lot of the culture. Um, we have this movie in 1932, White Zombie, which which is extremely uh, influential on a lot of things. And one of the things that it makes, it helps kind of give the idea of, is this book, um, 
Oh, it's not the last man on it. I, I am legend. Yeah, that's I'm what the legend, book was yeah. called. Yeah, the book was called that. The first iteration of the film was not. The first iteration was called like the last man on earth or something like that. Anyway, they and they you know they did an 07 with Will Smith too, I believe as well. And this one didn't quite use zombies. They they were more like vampires if you were to like really show it up to it the way that they acted and 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 their intelligence. Yeah, they were the, like opposed to light and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but it was still, it was dystopian. It was like very, like the book and the movie from what I've seen, I haven't seen the film. I hear it was all right though. Um, very, very like rundown apocalyptic society with creatures roaming and taking over that kind of thing. And they, they, the, the creatures wanted more of the uninfected kind of people. So, but, and that, that, that's where Romero really comes in. He, he even kind of, I, there was like a legal battle. I didn't go too much into it, but um, he ended up being okay. I, I, I don't, I want to say he won or lost, but it sounds like he didn't lose for sure. But he made uh, his, his film, was it Night of the Living Dead? Is that the first one? Yeah. Um, yeah. He makes this film, doesn't use the word zombie in the film. He, he kind of uses the term ghoul, which is an 18th century uh, Arabic word, ghoul. And that uh, word does specifically sort of mean um, it comes from the, the Arabic word gala to seize. And um, it was used in English literature as well. Um, in 1786, William Beckford's uh, novel Vatek, which I think is, a, is a, an account of um, Arabic uh, language. Uh, and culture, and the, a ghoul is specifically a creature that dwells in cemeteries and eats flesh. And I, I've killed tons of ghouls in video games. You usually do find them in cemeteries. They're usually like weak little dudes, though. Uh, and and the word ghoulish too kind of has its own term of being like gluttonous and gross. And that's actually in lots of different cultures as well. And it's also featured in A Thousand One Nights, which Cammy and I have touched on before too, ghouls and things like that. So um, it's really interesting. But yeah, so that's sort of how we get to so Haitian and voodoo culture is is really where we start to see you know voodoo comes from it's imported from West Africa comes to the Caribbean and the Americas through the Atlantic slave trade and it still kind of keeps going though zombie the word zombies definitely West African and Congo origin uh and but the way we sort of see zombies the way they act comes from uh, like the the 17th 18th 19th century slavery and and it was the the it got imported into culture i mean there was a lot of um it, this it was featured in um zombies were featured in specifically voodoo zombification was featured in like johnny quest uh cartoons and stuff like that so it really became like sensational and the pulp fiction stuff or like 30s 40s 50s the comic books and things like that i didn't even know this i i didn't i didn't write which james bond movie it's one i probably or or book i don't know if it was in a movie but there was even a voodoo um instance in james bond there was like a thing and it was it ended up not being real you know Live and Let Die, yeah. That's what it was. Roger Moore's first movie. (laughs) Oh, okay, cool. All right. So, yeah, and I think I even remember, like, in the video games, there's, like, a voodoo doctor kind of dude, too, that you could play as. So The Baron. Yeah. So (laughs) You know a lot um, about this, Peter. I I will run the table in James Bond trivia, absolutely. No, that's fantastic. (laughs) Um, So... Uh, some other things that really helped it um, going into the 20th century, Frankenstein um, and H.P. Lovecraft also really helped shape it coming into White Zombie. So White Zombie, the film in 32, uh, w- took it on a whole new level. But H.P. Lovecraft and and the Frankenstein book really did also kind of uh, 
change the idea of undead and zombification and Frankenstein especially because there is empathy and things like that uh, regarding mm-hmm. the the creature, the undead creature. You know, it you you didn't hate the undead creature. You felt sorry for the undead creature. You mm-hmm. didn't you didn't think it deserved what it did. But but Romero's slow. Uh, I'm gonna eat you. He really kind of got it, and he and he really did. I mean, the ghoul is a great way to to think about it. Is is what he he made the ghouls zombies. He forever changed the ghouls into zombies. And later films would use the term zombie, um, and it totally yeah, it totally just took over. Um, but uh, yeah, even Edgar Allan Poe even sort of talked about like undead. Oh, I, I forgot to mention this in my other stuff. There's even ancient Mesopotamian things. Um, the god goddess, I think Ishtar, in like an epic poem included in, in Gilgamesh as well, which we've talked on, mentions she's threatening to raise the dead and specifically have them eat the living. So mm. um, yeah, it it and and Frankenstein even too is based off of European folk- folklore. So. It's really, it's wild. There, there's no one line for zombies. There's really mm-hmm. no one line for zombies. And it's it's really a mytheme, bringing that word mm-hmm. back, yeah. uh, where it's this, there, there's this sort of, a mytheme is sort of this independent uh, concept that happens in society. So these societies might not have contact with each other, but they kind of believe the same thing in a, in a way. And so many different cultures at different times thought of zombies as we know them mm-hmm. just had different names and different ideas and feared them in a lot of ways like i said peter mentioned it the 13th century that's what you said it was right yeah mm-hmm. they yep. were tying down draugr with iron and stakes and ancient greeks were doing pa- practically the same thing out of fear of the dead and ancient syrians were crushing skulls just to make sure your uncle couldn't come up when you think mm-hmm. he'd find out that you stole his jar i don't know but uh, that's yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell, and, and it 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 really went on from there. Um, History.com gave me some uh, cool stuff too. Um, I I totally forgot about this word for undead. Revenant. Mm-hmm. Um, Revenant is is a, is a really good. Minute. It's it's from old re- French, which means returning. And I know I I think like video games or shows have used it as like a tough zombie, basically like a strong yeah. undead creature. Um, but that's another really kind of cool way. But yeah, it, it throughout history you have these different concepts and different words. Like I said, ghoul. Uh, you could have told me ghoul was seventh century Arabic, and I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. But eighteenth century is when it got used. So it it became a a, a thing much later. And it's all ghouls are also tied to uh, jinn, uh, which we've talked mm-hmm. about as well, which are kind of like, uh, which is where the word genie comes from. But jinn are typically, typically bad spirits is the kind of way to think of it. Um, you could think of it as like Japanese yokai where they could be like kid eating, but they could also be like silly and fun. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the last um, source that I had that I really liked was from the Atlantic. I know Cami used this one or I started with this one and got me on it too. Um, as well it 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 kind of re- reaffirmed the Haitian origins and the the connection to deter slave suicide um, it also mentions this concept of bokor black magic I think it's a Haitian word specifically reminded me of Sahir which is an Arabic mm-hmm. word for black magic as well um, but yeah and and it uh, they one thing they kind of bring in though is um, it, it's really a good way of like zomb- zombies and zombies in literature, zombies in, in whether you believe in them or not. It, it really kind of helps show human anxieties in a lot of mm. ways, too, of control and fear of dying, um, just fear of what's going to happen. This article mentioned it, it said zombie media, especially post 30s and going into the Romero age and up. It really became like a Rorschach, te- a Rorschach test for humanity. Um 
and and you can really see that. I mean, zombies, especially in video game, they're the perfect video game thing. And, and even Romero, he actually credits video games from the 90s, like Resident Evil and House of the Living Dead or whatever, as being what really helped lift zombie culture, because they're, they're perfect. You, you can kill zombies all day long, and there's no remorse. You know, you're doing everyone a favor <laughs> in Resident Evil when you shoot a zombie. So right. it, it's it's a really good way. Like, people joke, like, Nazis were perfect in World War II video game, and in, in war games in general, because, like, no one's upset that you're shooting a Nazi, but, like, <laughs> even more, no one's upset you're killing zombies. No one's upset you're killing zombies um so it's it's this it's this cool evolution and even to um wikipedia goes in depth about sort of the culture change from there was the 60s and 70s and even early 80s movies but then it really kind of died down but then it, it the video games are what picked it up there was the remake of the original film um and then it kind of went up and even now today it's funny because what's popular today isn't so much the the scary zombie film that we've seen it's the romantic zombie is what wikipedia says <laughs> um so the the we're like the zombie you know like i kinley watched there's a disney musical i can't even remember what it's called now she'll scream it in oh. a minute. Um, but yeah it's it's just like a teeny boppy oh no mm-hmm. we're zombies um i zombies are really funny like show zombie high school yeah zombie high or something like that yeah um but i zombies really good it's it's basically kind of like Making it so zombies don't always have to be like a villain sort of thing, and mm. and, and even adds humor element to it. I mean, Shaun of the Dead did a really awesome job of, like, not really like making the zombies human, but just bringing the funny in it uh, and stuff like that. And there's a bunch of like B and C movies from other countries that also kind of used it, but played and made fun of it as well. Um, and I, I thought one one thing I, I put um, as a note too is in Romero's film. I thought it was really interesting. Um, in the, I've never seen it. In the film, the uh, actor Dwayne Jones plays Ben. He's sort of the hero. He, he's the one who kind of makes it and out in the end. And he's a black man. And mm. it, for this film to be in the 60s, that's kind of crazy, too, because it's a mostly white mm. cast. And then I just thought there was an interesting connection just with the history of zombies uh, mm. and how it's sort of viewed in its you know, voodoo culture being um, a very African and Haitian sort of thing. I just thought it was interesting that that's, that's how that was the hero of, of the kind of the original film that did it all. So... Yeah, I think I've talked for nine minutes straight, um, for the most part. It's it's a, it's such a cool subject, and like I said, there, there's there's so much you can do. We, we can do like independently, so many angles we can go from. But I, I just want you to sort of keep in mind, like yeah, the the diasporic sort of things of zombies as they keep popping up through history on their own through different cultures in different ways. And but for for America, it's it's sort of and or for the modern zombie, I should say the modern American zombie, maybe you could say it, it it's a, a really strong connection to to Haiti and uh, the, the turn of the 20th century. Um, the occupation of America, I think, is really where people got the ideas to get that stuff, turn it into films. Like, you know, the, they were popping out films like crazy during that time, the Golden Age of Cinema. And uh, there were t- oh, and why, I've heard White Zombie is not particularly great. It's it's in the domain, so we could do a watching of it. I don't know if I want to, <laughs> um, but yeah, it it there's there's also some cool psychological stuff there. Zombie media from its beginnings to to today, especially today, it really does try and go at an angle, talk about human anxieties. Walking Dead's a good example of you know Walking. De- I, I joke that Walking Dead's they're the show where like there's all these zombies trying to kill you but they're like what about my feelings um i'm like no what about the zombies uh but that's a good point you know like how you act and i am legends a really good story about that because um 
I read the Wikipedia page for it, and Will Smith, he talked to, like, POWs who were in isolation because he, he he's isolated in the film. And so there's this – you know, he, he's really alone, and and in a lot of media, you're usually with someone. You usually have like a team that you can work with, but uh, in in that one, it's it's very you're you're completely alone. It's you against the literal world and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so I think that's it. I think I've scrolled through my notes enough. <laughs> um, I I this was just a really cool subject, and I'm really glad I looked into it. Zombie is such a throwaway word now, and not that we take it for granted. I don't think that's really possible but it, well, it's cool to think about it does refer to something really specific like it, re- it refers to something very specific in, in like voodoo Haitian culture um, but it's become this like blanket term that we really kind of use to refer to like undead in general you know yeah and I think that's they're that's interchangeable yeah they really are mm-hmm. like interchangeable but even undead can sort of mean something else like it's it's really cool there's like a lexicon of Zombie. Uh, I mean, it, it even Wikipedia noted that eventually the zombie became its own subgenre in the horror film. Like it became that important. You couldn't just say horror film. Mm-hmm. You had to say zombie horror film. And so it's it's um it, that's how you know. And I like I said, I I just think of it in like video game. You know, you're starting a video game. You're gonna first you fight the ghouls, then you fight the zombies, then you fight the revenant. You know, it's it's the, <laughs> these these tiers of of, right. of undead that are scary and and strong. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just super cool. And, um, it's also a little, it's, it's a little wild. Um, one uh, other thing from that BBC, um, article, um, where do zombies come from? That kind of talked more about the, the Haitian stuff and things like that is, um, a woman, uh, an esteemed black novelist, Zora Neale Hurston. She um, was sort of part of the the Harlem Renaissance um, era in the 20s and 30s, and they sort of saw New Orleans as a really strong part of that, which makes sense. You know, there's a lot of prolific uh, black culture that comes from there and and still exhumes um, from there daily. And she actually, as part of this, she was was a professional anthropologist, and um, to sort of kind of get to the roots of it, spent several months in Haiti training to be a voodoo priest and um she actually became kind of weirded out by it uh and there's a lot of weirdness she, she made a book called tell my horse mm-hmm. in 1937 and it's not really seen as um good I, there's no other super word. yeah it's it's not s- the scholarship is not great on it, but it's super entertaining to read. Right. It's, it's wild. Yeah, and I mean, this woman did do these things, but um, she, she left uh, Haiti hurriedly because she thought that the, the secret voodoo societies of Haiti were, like, going to take her out because they were like, no, you mm-hmm. can't take her secrets You're and taking things her like secrets, that. Yeah. yeah. And um, she she took a picture of what she believed was a, a woman who was a zombie. A re- she claimed she did meet a reanimated person, and... The, the article sort of speculates it was someone who likely had suffered a social death and so might have been dead to everyone if they believe mm. she's dead. You know, if the whole if the whole community believes you're dead and you did, you know, drink the puffer fish poison, your heartbeat went down and you come back, then, yeah, you're a thrall. You're just some dude's literal slave. Like, you're, you, you have no will or anything like that. So whether you took a picture of – I mean – I feel like someone in the 1930s who's like uh, excommunicated from their society is gonna look like a zombie, regardless. So, mm. um, and it, Cammy, I I was talking to you about this Sherlock Holmes, the first film. There's that part where um, the the protag- the the whole part of the 2009 
Robert Downey Jr. one is that all these freaky things are happening, and then at the end they kind of unravel what actually was happening because it's Holmes and he he does it right. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it was the pufferfish thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, that would be kind of cool, but it wasn't. It's a Turkish recipe, is what he uses. He like so the the main antagonist, Lord Blackwood, he. Um, he hangs himself and he he, he saves himself because he's wearing a harness, so that's why his neck sure. doesn't snap and or he chokes. And before he did that, he took this concoction. It was a it was a Turkish plant. That's all it says. Turkish plant screenrat.com. Thanks very much. But uh, <laughs> all it says is it was a tur- and that's what they say in the film too. It was like a Turkish remedy that he took. But it was the same effect. It it makes your pulse go so low, your heartbeat so low, you're alive, but you like to a trained doctor, you're not. You know, you you see. Yeah, it's dead. like Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's right. oh, that's a really great way to put it. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Um, I didn't even think about that. Right. Yeah. God, that's gonna be you it. Heard it here. Romeo and Juliet and zombies. That's totally a thing. <laughs> that would be really good. Um, well, yeah. I think I think that I've covered it all for the most part. It was a There's really a little... good job. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Thank you. You guys hit really research. good uh, angles of it. Um, 13th century like Norway and like fairly modern or industrial like Haiti um mm-hmm. that's that's how this goes and they're so it's it's so similar it's it's crazy to think about but um yeah I think that about does about do it unless you guys have anything you want to throw out rate review subscribe yes <laughs> yeah if you want to hear if you want to hear a good ghoul story let us know uh Kami and I found a really good one in the uh thousand and one nights it's uh we should definitely yeah we might that do that like halloween time or something we've only done mm. we've only done two podcasts on thousand one we did alibaba and um sinbad so we got 999 more to go <laughs> we'll do a ghoul show so that's most of the podcast gonna be <laughs> um yeah excellent yeah please do let us know how we're doing let us know if uh if let, let us know if you think there's something that we should have mentioned and i'll be happy to to call it out on the next show uh call us out on the next show if i goofed up something especially too but you can also watch us on youtube or we're here looking at each other's eyes right now and you can look Uh into our eyes as we look into each other's eyes if you'd like but please yeah uh facebook groups also one of our more active communities so join us there you can um message any of us cammy bryant or peter if you have suggestions or posts on the group we would love it if you have any outside suggestions, especially something that may not be well known to our Western world. Um, and Twitter, we do have a Twitter now. Mystery with an IE is how you look us up. But I, we post fun memes and uh, we'll, I'll put links to the YouTubes and stuff like that there. So check us out. Uh, Cami, thank you. And Peter, thanks again, as always. Uh, I guess I will see you guys next time. Oh, brains. Hey, everyone. I am Nick. And I'm Russ. And if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well-informed, highly educated, and safe to share with your whole family, that's not us. Nope, it's not. But here at the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast, we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it. That we do. New episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Check us out at nickandruss.com. And find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more, including YouTube. Thank you, and I love you all. Mwah!